This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. This fall, join Priscilla Shire and Anthony Evans at the Going Beyond Simulcast. On August 26, you can be one of thousands of women across the globe who experience worship, prayer, and wholehearted teaching straight from God's Word. Whether you watch with friends at church, in your small group, or on your own, you'll be part of an event that gathers believers from around the world to lift His name high. Register now and make plans to watch with us this August or later on with extended access. Visit LifeWay.com slash GoingBeyondSimulcast today to register. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heineman and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. Well. I am so excited for us to be back today because we have a new Bible study that is releasing today, and we have the author with us. Some people may have um, they may have heard Vanitha at the Women's Forum last fall, but if you haven't, um, Vanitha Reisner is with us today. So thanks for being on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited about our conversation. Yes, and so your new study is called Desperate for Hope, and we're going to dive in um, a little bit more about what it's about. But first, just tell us about yourself and your family and the ministry that you do. Yeah, so I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, I'm married to Joel, and I we have four daughters between us. It's a blended family, so Joel's um, got the older two, and I have the younger two. And I was just mentioning before, one of my daughters just came by right before the podcast started, and I was like, oh, hello, I'm, I'm about to do something right now. So that's the fun part about having uh, grown kids around. Um, yes. And my ministry is really about uh, suffering, which I know sounds super depressing. Every time I tell people that, they're like, wow, that's a downer. But I actually find um, that we can have a lot of joy in our suffering as well, mm-hmm. and God has given me a lot of joy through that. So uh, that's yeah. what I write about, speak about. Um, yeah, that's my ministry. And I think in the past few years, we've all become well acquainted with suffering at different levels. Um, and so I am excited about this study, even though, like you said, it's kind of weird to be like, I'm excited about the study on suffering, <laughs> but we get a lot of requests for Bible studies where women are just saying, hey, I'm going through this thing or someone I I love and know is going through this thing and I need something to point them to scripture. Uh, Do you have any studies on that? And so this is kind of our first one that's solely, we definitely have studies that touch on suffering in different ways, but this is the first one that's really like about suffering. And so I'm, I'm so thankful that um, for you writing it and for that ministry of yours and for also um, to have that resource to point people to. Well, and you definitely, you. you definitely have a story of suffering. So, Vanitha, maybe tell us a little bit about the study, but then really kind of what, what led you to writing on this? Yeah, so the um, study is called Desperate for Hope, Questions We Ask God in Suffering, Loss, and Longing. And I wrote it around six 
common questions that people ask in suffering. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't ask God anything in suffering. You just need to accept it. And I mean, maybe I wish I was like that, but I'm not like that. I ask a lot of questions. And I do feel like that has actually deepened my faith because I think people who sort of put a platitude on their suffering, like, and not that the saying God is good all the time is is untrue. It is very true. And if you say it really with your heart, that can really be life-changing. But if you slap that saying onto your suffering, just sort of like a band-aid, like I'm not even going to question God, I'm not going to even go into that, I think it pulls our hearts away from God because we start to believe God doesn't really care and he doesn't want to know exactly how we feel. And that's not true. God wants to know exactly how we feel. So I wanted this study to address that. Like the first question is, if God loves me, why did this happen? And I think we come to suffering with those questions. What if the worst happens? What if it never gets better? What what do we do with those questions? And so I really thought about the questions that I had in my own suffering and found women in the Bible in the Old Testament and New Testament who asked very similar questions and their suffering, and God met them in in amazing ways. And so that's really how the study is formed. And there's theology, sort of, what do we do with that principle that we've learned about God? And I have parts of my journal, um, just parts of this crazy Christmas letter that I write that um, we just kind of throw everybody under the bus, which is obviously figurative, but um, it's kind of not safe in my house to say anything that I might put in the Christmas letter. So I put some of those now for the whole world to see. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. As I as we walk through the Bible study, so one of the little behind the scenes nuggets of the of Bible study publishing is we have a day where we print out. We have a couple of days where we do this, but we print out every page of the Bible study, and then all the editorial and design team sits around a table and we look at everything to kind of make sure that. Like when we put this picture in here, it didn't move the text completely off the page, like, and kind of just look at it big picture. We're not reading it word for word, but we're kind of all looking at it. And I remember seeing those Christmas letters and kind of laughing a little bit about, I was like, oh, they just told everybody this stuff. So <laughs> yeah, my it, kids, it was a fun element to the yeah, study. They know that there's nothing safe. Like at the dinner table, if something gets said, they know, like they even say, is that going in the Christmas letter? I'm like it probably <laughs> is. really. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, I was going to ask you, Vanita, because when you talk about the questions that we ask God in suffering, I think one of the things that I, and maybe this has been something that you've dealt with too, and especially when you think about your physical healing, is you look at God and you go, God, you heal so-and-so, but you chose not to heal me. And you're capable of healing. So I, I, to me, that's a question that we ask God a lot is, well, why them and why not me? Is, is that something that you address in the study? Um, I don't address that specific question, but definitely that idea goes through so many of the questions of, you know, why did this happen? What happens if this never gets better? I think there is implicit in that, why is... Why do some people get healed of cancer and other people die? Why do some people um, have financial struggles their entire life and other people don't? You know, they win the lottery, something changes. And so we do talk about that and how God deals with us individually. And he really is giving us what is best, even though what we think is best is not what God thinks is um, best. What I think is best is a super easy life. And God knows that. That's not the best thing for us because one, problems draw us to God in ways that 
you know, sunny days don't. And the world needs to see that Christians suffer and can really turn to God and be changed through it. Yeah. And you've mentioned your own journey with suffering. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what are some of the things uh, in your life that happened that led you to eventually have a ministry in suffering? Like, that's a a very um, needed ministry, but something that no one really is like, yeah, please let me suffer so I can minister to that that one. So tell us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't more. think I ever wanted to sign up for um, right. the ministry of suffering. Um, uh, so it, it's kind of the gift that you kind of want to give back and say, oh, I didn't really want that. But um, it started when I was um, born in India. And when I was three months old, I got polio. And polio um, was pretty much the vaccine had been developed uh, over a decade before. So Nobody really knew what it was, and I had just not got not gotten the vaccine yet. At three months old, in India, they give it at six months. So they gave me the wrong medicine, and I was a quadriplegic after that happened. And then the doctors told my parents, you should leave India because there's nothing we can do. So moved to Canada and um, had about 21 operations by the time I was 13. Lived in a hospital. Um, when I mean lived, I was there on a ward for a year at a time sometimes, saw my parents on weekends. So my life was just a little odd. My childhood was very different and did not believe in God, felt like God could not love me and came to Christ though in high school and really thought my life was going to be perfect. And um, to back up, I was a quadriplegic, but then weirdly I was exercising, doing all these things and I was able to walk in with surgery, but a lot of exercise So I lived a pretty normal life, which is crazy given that I was a quadriplegic. But then I was diagnosed, um, this is a a number of years ago, 20 years ago, with post-polio syndrome, which means that my body is going backwards. So my arms and legs are getting weaker every day. And eventually I will be probably back to the place I was when I first got polio. So I I use a wheelchair more than I walk. I can't use my hands very much anymore. So... I'm headed towards quadriplegia, which is pretty hard. I also had an infant son who had a heart problem, but he had surgery at birth. He was doing great. And a substitute doctor took him off his medicine and he died a few days later. And that was really a crisis of faith for me. And I I talk a lot about that in the Bible study, just how that was when I really learned, one, to lean into God, but it really was through my being bold enough to ask questions. I had taught Bible study. I felt like I needed to have my theology buttoned up, and I had the right answers, but my heart was so far away, and it was only when I was willing to lean into that and say, these are my questions, that God met me, and that was pretty amazing. And then um, about um, in tw- 2009, my husband left me for someone else. And I raised two adolescent daughters as a single parent. And that was really hard. They both walked away from God, um, really struggled in their faith um, for a long time. And that was that was very difficult. But I, I we got divorced. I remarried and um, have a wonderful family now. But, but I've been through a lot of different types of suffering. And each time I've thought, God, why? Why are you bringing this to me? And yet God has been better than I imagined through it. One of the things that I really 
appreciate about your story, Vanitha, is that it's not over. Like your suffering wasn't one and done. Um, And I think that a lot of women will really find encouragement from that as much as it is also a challenge, I think. Um, Because I think a lot of times in Christian circles, we hear stories of suffering, but then it's like, and look at what God did for me now. And not that God hasn't done beautiful things in your life, but also I think it's encouraging to people to be like, you can still look to him. He is still good, even while this is going on, even in the midst of this. And this may not be all made right until eternity, um, but we still have that hope. And so I love that that's part of the title, Desperate for Hope, because I think that's how we all feel in the midst of suffering. We're desperate for something to grab onto um, and yeah. hope in, in Jesus and yeah, in the life to come. It seems like a lot of people have this before, wow, things were really hard, but then the after is things were perfect, and that's what they share about. It's like, we live in the messy middle, you know? Life is hard and gritty a lot of times, and I think, I was while I appreciate those wonderful stories, I think that leads us to expect our story has to be wrapped up with a bow, and right. um, bows unravel. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> And there's there's not a lot of them that are all that stay wrapped up on this side of eternity. <laughs> yes, yes, sure. One of the things too, Vanita, that we really like about your study is that you do include some of the personal journal entries that you've written over over time. So I think that there's a an element of vulnerability and just being honest and open before God. So why is that important in times of suffering to just be able to be open with God? I think when we're open with God, we can really connect with Him. I feel like when we stay and just sort of um, don't really bear our souls to God, we don't connect as deeply with Him. I feel like the ways I've met God in suffering have changed me, and I think it has been when I've been honest, whereas the times that I've said the right stuff but haven't really believed it, that has really pulled me away from God. So, I think journaling is one way to do that. And you don't journal thinking other people are going to read it because then you're not going to do that. I have one friend, I I encouraged her to journal and she was like, well, I know my grandchildren are going to read this, so I want to make sure it's good. And I thought I would never (laughs) journal if I thought other people were going to read it because you can't be real. So I would say if you're thinking about journaling, assume nobody's going to read it and talk to God honestly. You can have that designated friend that comes over to burn everything exactly. upon you. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like I have a friend like that. that I'm just like, just burn them all because we don't, I don't, I've been journaling since I was a kid. And so some of those things, I look back on them now and I'm like, oh my goodness, this was a huge deal in my life at the time. And now I don't even remember who these people are. Like, I have no idea what this was. So, um, so yes, I do. I love journaling, and I feel like that's a a spiritual discipline that we've talked about. So, how has how have you seen journaling your prayers change your perspective um, on your suffering? My journaling, my prayers has radically changed me because I often start off like, God, why did this happen? And I I'm willing to you know trash everybody, including myself, on what's happened, and it's everybody's fault and. Um, God, why didn't you rescue me? And then I find the more I just connect with God and I pour my heart out, I end up praising God or seeing what God is doing. And I was surprised at that. And I realized that's how the Psalms are too. 
David starts out pouring his heart out to God, like, God, why, why have you forsaken me? And yet we see that he sees God in the midst of that. And I do think that's one of the blessings of journaling is we pour out our hearts and God turns our hearts in a natural way versus if we just start off um, sort of saying the things that we don't mean. I don't think we turn anywhere. Yeah. I love that. And I, I mean, the Psalms and Lamentations, I feel like both have that beautiful turn from suffering to praise. So see, Elizabeth, like your journals are just like David, right? So you're yeah, just, there you go. <laughs> you're just pouring yourself out, you know, and you're just being open. So, but yeah, I think that's a good perspective of looking at that. And when we look at the Psalms, we really do see the heart of David when he was happy, sad, mad, depressed, um, felt threatened, all of those things. So we, we can just be open to the Lord when we're in the midst of all the, all the things that we're going through for sure. Well, Vanitha, okay, so some of the video teaching sessions that we did for the Bible study, they have several interviews with your family and friends, including your pastor. So tell us a little bit uh, kind of behind the scenes, like what was that like? to talk to them about the subjects, but then did they say anything that surprised you when you, when they did the videos? Um, well, my, my daughters, that was the scariest part to let your daughters go on camera is really a terrifying thing. So they're like being interviewed and I'm thinking, what are you going to say about me? And, um, they were gracious. I mean, they were pretty honest at times. So the people who watch the videos will get to hear about the real me from my teenage, when they were teenagers then they're not teenagers now. Um, but it was surprising. It was neat because my one daughter, honestly, it made me cry. She s- talked about how horrible she had been um, when she was growing up. And yet God, um, she watched my faith and that made her want to really turn back to God. And she had not really admitted to me that she had been that horrible very often. And so to hear it was super validating to me because, and I'm guessing there are people who are listening to this podcast now who are in the trenches with their kids. And um, it feels like, is it ever going to get better? Like, are they ever going to turn around? And whether they're five years old right now or they're, you know, 15 or 20 and they're just struggling it's it was just a really amazing thing to hear them say that so that was a wonderful thing and and i actually had my counselor and my pastor interviewed separate times but i figured they would be pretty nice to me so so that was that was good and they were so i appreciated that but it was it was neat hearing my story through their perspective um because we hadn't really talked about that much so i hadn't actually told them much about what they were going to be interviewed on. I'd given them a few questions, but I figured it would just go where it went. And so it was interesting to hear where they felt called to step in or the things that they observed. I I really appreciated getting to sort of see your life through other people's perspectives is kind of a wild thing. Yeah, very vulnerable Mm -hmm. too, I feel like. Um, Yes, (laughs) the few times that I've been like, hey, what did what did you think about this situation or how I acted in this situation? You just really never know <laughs> what <laughs> what people are exactly. thinking about it. So yes. I love editing ability, though. I guess if they yes. really threw me under the bus, then that would be yeah. Would be like, well, well and they would be put in the Christmas letter too. So exactly. they they knew that exactly. <laughs> That's right. So, so all of us 
we'll have we'll go through or have gone through seasons where we feel desperate for hope um we like the your subtitle is so those questions we ask god in suffering loss and longing and i feel like those three things cover all of us in some seasons if not all seasons um so we also know people that are in those seasons so even if we're not we have friends and family what are some practical ways that we can help our friends and family when they're in a season of suffering or loss? And then maybe what are some things that are not so helpful yeah. that people do with all the best intentions? Yeah. Well, I um, came up with this acronym for the Bible study that's a good way to remember how to be there for people. And the acronym, acronym is show up, S-H-O-W-U-P. And S is just for show up. That's the most important thing. Just be there. And I kind of joke around like um, salty snacks and chocolate are also, you know, helpful if you're going to show up at my house. But that's just to be there, just to sit with somebody. You don't have to have great words, but we often assume other people are going to be there. We don't need to be there. But our presence, I think, is the best gift we can give. And then the H is for how are you doing today? When people say, how are you? I When I'm suffering, I don't have any idea how to answer that. I mean, there's so many different facets to that. But sort of how are you feeling today? I can answer that. I can tell you how I feel right now. But I can't answer these huge sweeping questions of how am I feeling in general. And then O is for offer tangible help or specific help. And that's one thing that I think is important is saying, hey, I can bring a meal on Wednesday for dinner do you have any food allergies? And they might say, oh, I can't do Wednesday, but maybe I can do next Friday. So being super specific, I had a friend who said she knew somebody who loved to do laundry. And when she went through a crisis, her friend was like, put your dirty laundry on the porch and I will have it back to you the next day. And she had it all folded. And my friend first was like, I can do the laundry, but that was a huge gift. So if you have something you like to do, just offer it. It could be a huge gift. And sometimes it's, I have two hours. Can I run some errands for you? I mean, or can I even think through a to-do list for you? I mean, there's so many things we can do. So offering our gifts is a wonderful thing. And then W is words of encouragement. So encouraging people with scripture, encouraging people with what God has taught us, as well as just what you see in them. Because I think scripture is the way that we really deeply encourage people, but it's also the way we make people feel minimized. So just figuring that out of, you know, when do we share it? What do we share? I think is really important. And then, you know, words of encouragement is also writing notes and or sending a text and saying, I'm praying for you. And then you is use active listening. People want to talk. And I think one of the things we want to do is provide answers or to give them some theology. They don't usually want that. They just want to talk. And so just listening is important. And then the P is pray because God is the only one that can give them com- true comfort, change their situation. So God calls us to pray. And I would say even pray for yourself because I pray that I would be the kind of friend I need to be. I pray that God would bring them to mind when I do pray. Because often I forget. Like I might say, I'm going to pray for you, and I pray for them right then. But I really try to pray, God, help me to pray. Remind me. So that's show up. Um, and embedded in that are some of the things that I think we shouldn't do. One is to to minimize what they're going through. I think any statement that starts with at least— At least you can have other children. At least, you know, you're not throwing out whatever it is. That's not helpful. 
And it just makes them feel like maybe this isn't as hard as it is. And when we're suffering, even if it it isn't as hard as other people's, that's not helpful. So, and I think the statement, call me if you need anything, is basically saying nothing. Because nobody will call and say, hey, you said if you need anything, did you mean you wanted to bring me a meal? You know, there's there's nothing there's nothing somebody can act on with that. And so it's sort of a, a kind of an, a throw out statement. And so I would say that's not as helpful. And I think prying into details isn't helpful. People will offer what they want to. So I think that's something that um, you got to be careful when you ask how things are, um, not to get into those too much if people are uncomfortable with them. Yeah. Those are so, yeah, so practical. I mean, like the, everything yes. that you said, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, but I, I'm just going to tell you, Elizabeth, if you're going through something, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to offer to do your laundry. I'm just saying <laughs> that may not That's be okay, but I, but I can definitely offer words of encouragement and I'll try to be a good listener. But no, but those yeah. are, I think people can all grasp that that's a really good way to do that and i think i've said this on the podcast before but i saw i think it was on instagram i don't remember who originated it but they said that one of the most helpful things they had somebody do for them when they were going through a tough time was they texted them and said okay which of the following options do you want and it was like i can go to target for you i can watch your children so that you can go to target alone or I can meet you at Target and we can go together. And it was just like something very practical like that, but was like, here are some options just in case. I don't know if you're feeling like you want to be with people or if you don't want to be with people or whatever. So I love that practical. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm doing something no matter what, but you get to choose which option. And I think that kind of meets both because I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, I I love to do laundry, but I don't know if everybody wants me to do laundry because sometimes that can be like a weird thing. So it's just like, okay, here's some options. Here's some things that I can do for you. I love that, Elizabeth. I hope everybody listening is just like, that is such a great idea. Yes. I wish I could remember where I saw it, but it was probably just scrolling through Instagram one day and a suggested post or something so I don't remember to give credit but yeah I I loved that option um yeah for people because I think that's important yeah because everybody has different needs some people just want to be alone and other people just want other people with them and a lot of people just don't want their kids around when they're struggling (laughs) and for for different people have different giftings like Kelly said like she's not going to do my laundry but she can offer words of encouragement so I'm not a huge words of encouragement like that's not in my love language so that's not something it's something that I have to stretch to do so um, I think it's important to look at where God has gifted you and not to say that you shouldn't do all the things but just kind of be like okay I can do this I can watch kids or I can do this thing and try to figure out what might be most helpful for people and what a picture uh, what a picture of the body of Christ right because we each have those different gifts and God has given us those abilities and I think that's a good picture of that Um, you know Vanitha one of the things too that we realizes that you have a great story of faithfulness in your parents. So do you mind telling us just a little bit about them and how your faith was shaped by their story? Yeah. So both of my parents, great, great grandparents came to Christ in India out of Hinduism. And they both have individually like amazing stories throughout the families. One that my dad's family had, which was pretty incredible, is his 
family was educated. Um, his dad, his great, great, great grandfather was a Brahmin priest and sent his kids to English school. It was a Catholic school to um, learn English, and he became a Christian, and he came home one day, and his family knew he was a Christian, and they had all the family jewels on this big scale, and they had the Bible on the other side, and they said, you need to choose, and he picked up the Bible and left and never saw his family again, and so, and they basically said, you have to leave if you choose the Bible, and so I have a great history of faith, and my mother's side of the family, um, similar stories, pretty incredible um, people. My mother's side of the family lived near where Amy Carmichael um, was ministering in India. So my great grand, my grandmother knew Amy Carmichael, and um, my great uncle went to medical school and was put through medical school by Amy Carmichael's mentor, Reverend Walker. And she writes a lot about him in the book Gold Cord. And so it's so funny because all these people um, that my great uncle knew, Amy Carmichael knew. And so it's pretty neat to see the history of faith. And I feel like in some ways, all those people that went before me, that has enabled me to stand. Like I know they prayed for their descendants. And I think the power of prayer is pretty incredible. And I really do believe that is in a lot of ways how God has given me strength is is through the prayers of people that that I never met, but I, I know prayed for me. That's awesome. I just think about the great cloud of witnesses. Like, even if you don't have a biological family of faith like that, like we all have that family. Um, but what a great legacy to pass down and to um, to pray for, we need to be praying for the next generations and people we may never even meet. And that's a good reminder for sure. Well, this is the Mars podcast. And so one thing that we ask everyone is what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? Mm. One thing. Well, um, I think it can be a big thing, <laughs> a big thing. Um, I would say experiencing God and suffering has marked me. And I was a, I became a believer um, when I was 16, and life went super well for me for 10 years. I got everything I wanted, college, grad school, married a classmate from grad school. And life was good, and God felt good. I was teaching Bible study, but when life fell apart, I needed God in a way that I didn't need Him when life was going well. And Meeting God in suffering, crying out to God and having God absolutely show up in unmistakable ways has marked me. And I think that's why I have this ministry in suffering because I want people to see there's something pretty incredible about meeting God in suffering that will change you forever, that will um, put your faith in something so much deeper than if you just sort of know God on a casual level. And so suffering. I think is a gift because of that, because it helps you understand God and lean into God. God isn't any farther or closer, whether we're suffering or not, but we sense his presence. We want him. We want to know him when we're suffering because there's nothing else to hold on to. And so I feel like that there's a few experiences in my life. I remember after my son Paul died, I was in the car just really thinking I wanted to die, but calling out to God and saying, just show me something. And the presence of God filled my car. In that moment, 
that has changed my life. Like I remember thinking, this is heaven. This is a little piece. This is a few minutes. And I don't know if it was a few minutes or a few hours. I, I It was just this moment that I can go back to. And remember, God was there. God, God welcomed my questions. God knew my pain and he met me. And there's other times as well that I felt that way. Um, and often it is in suffering, and often it is through reading scripture, though, when you're sort of crying over the Bible and saying, God, meet me, and God does, and scripture comes alive. I know after my ex-husband left, I was going through Psalm 119, which honestly I thought was the most boring book in the Bible. I thought, why are we reading 176 verses about God's Word? Like, I got it after the first few. And so, but I was reading it, and God brought it alive to me. That was probably the darkest time in my life. And I remember reading Psalm 119.25, which is, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. And I prayed that. And God, I just remember feeling completely different. And so when you take scripture and God makes it alive and anchors your faith in it, you never forget it. And I find that suffering is the times when we look for that. It's not that God wouldn't give it to us other times, but we're wanting it and looking for it, and we we find it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know uh, this past year I've been teaching at our leadership conferences um, on spiritual formation, and one of the— th- one of the points is that part of our spiritual formation happens through suffering. It's not something we really want or look forward to, but he conforms us more to his image and we become more like Christ when we understand the sufferings that he, that he experienced, but that we get to participate in the sufferings. Um, so I thank you for being so faithful to tell your, us your story and uh, just I've, I've been encouraged today, and I think we also want to just say happy release day to you as well, Benita. We're excited to have you as a new author with us, and so uh, thank you for being with us on the podcast today, and the listeners, we definitely, you have got women in, in your circles that need this Bible study, and you need this Bible study, so we really definitely want you to check this out, and and be, you know, just maybe this is something that you want to look at for a group or a Bible study group um, to go through, whether you're suffering or not, I think we can all learn a lot uh, about showing up. I, I love that acronym. So thank you for sharing that too. All right, listeners, thank you for being with us again this week. And we look forward to you being back next week. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find LifeWay Women on all social media channels at LifeWay Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.